So you've picked a great day to be in the house of God. I'm excited. We're going to be picking up on a, a message that we started. We started it last week, and uh, the title of our message is Follow. Y'all say that with me? Follow. Follow. So we're going to be on part two of Follow. And so last week was really, was really powerful and was really an amazing message as we jump-started this, this thought and this idea, and really something that Jesus preaches about over and over and over in the Gospels, and really what it means to be a child of God and what it means to be grafted in, adopted into the family of the kingdom of God. To be a child of God, you got to you gotta follow. Thank you. Somebody's tracking with me. To be a child of God, you got to follow God. And so last week, if you missed that message, it's available on all of our online uh, areas, some uh, destinations on our so- social media accounts, on our church app. So if you missed it, we're not going to have a lot of recap today, but it'd be very beneficial for you to jump in there and, and to dive in and see some of the things we talked about. We really talked about following God is a lot more practical than you may think. And so I gave you four, four practical, easy ways for you to prove every day to yourself and even to God that, you know what, I am following God. Right? I'm following God by faith. Faith is a thing of action. It requires action to follow God. And so I gave you four easy practical steps last week that every follower is. Every follower is a student. You have to be a student of God's word, of his ways, of his will, of his wisdom. You have to be growing every day in, in becoming a follower and a student of God's word. Every follower is a worshiper. You have to be a worshiper more than on Sunday mornings. Worship is more than a Sunday morning worship set. You need to be a worshiper at work. You need to be a worshiper at home. You need to be a worshiper in your car on the way to work. You have to call th- you have to be your best praise worship leader. You have to there are seasons you you can't get out of unless you worship your way out. Every follower is a disciple maker. Are are you imparting the things that God has done in your life into somebody else? At least one person. Are you disciple making? Are you being a disciple maker because because God has done something magnificent, awesome in your life? Are you helping somebody? Are you sharing that with somebody? The last thing we said, every follower is an influencer. If God has done something in here, Something external has to change. And God didn't just save you to save you. He loves you, but he saved you so that you could be a trumpet of truth, a a vocal piece, an instrument of righteousness for the world around you. And every one of us, we all work in different places. We We all have different friends. We have different families. And God wants you to shine out for his glory. Amen? It's amazing that Nowadays, the days, these last days that we're living in, a lot has changed since biblical times, but really a lot of it's the same. But everyone is starving for truth. Can y'all agree on that? Everyone is starving for truth. Now, they, they, they try to fulfill that, that starving need with all the wrong things. But everyone is hungry and starving for truth, and everyone is looking for somebody to follow, somebody that they can trust. Somebody that they can follow. Everybody in their own right wants to be a leader. And God wants to use you to be a leader. And if you follow God first, if you can follow God by faith, he'll make you a leader. Because you'll point the people that he brings to you to him. Right? And in these last days, 
we, now we've compounded all this, this, our lives and everything with social media, right? Be careful who you follow on those types of things. But what happens when you, when you follow somebody online nowadays? If you follow somebody on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or you, you instantly, what happens when you hit that follow button, you hit that subscribe button, you instantly get instant access to that person's life, right? We said last week that when you follow somebody, you get to find out what they had for breakfast, right? You get to find out what they're doing that day, where they're going, what they're doing. Man, none of that matters. When you follow Jesus Christ, when you instantly subscribe to his word, to his ways, and to his will, guess what? You get instant access, come on somebody, to not just life, but eternal life, abundant life. And everybody's starving for truth, and the only thing that can fulfill that is the truth of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He says, if you follow me, you will not go without. Amen? So let's look at our foundational scripture. We've been in John 10. We're going to be in John a lot today. But this was our foundational scripture as we kicked this off last week. So in John 10, I want to give you verses 24 through 27 again. Look what it says. We're talking about follow today. And so the people surrounded him and asked him, we're talking about Jesus, the people surrounded Jesus, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Verse 27, there it is. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they, what does it say? And they follow me. There's that, that magic word, that thing we're talking about, that, that thought train, that, that word of follow. Jesus said that, you know, the masses, they wanted Jesus to continually prove that he was the son of God. Just, just prove to me, Jesus, and then I'll follow you. Some of us, that's how we live our lives a lot, a lot of times. God, if you could just answer this prayer. God, if you would just do this for me. God, if you would just prove what you said. Just make sure that I heard you right. Right? We, we try and squeeze and, and drag God into what I'm trying to do. You know, Jesus has not changed. He's done proved who he already is. He's done said everything he's going to say with words and with his life on the cross. So does, can everybody agree that Jesus is the dude, <laughs> the Messiah, right? And so that's who Jesus is, right? That, that's maybe a different message for a different day. But look what he said in verse 27 after he says all that. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, action is required. God wants people in these last days to not just be a follower with their confession, not just be a follower with their words, with their posts. God wants his children to be followers by faith. He wants followers that when they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, do that, don't do that, go here, go there, that we actually Listen, that we actually obey. Jesus said that my followers listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I got three questions for you today. If you're taking notes, write these down. Pray about these questions. This is something we can ask ourselves every day as we're trying to be students of the word and followers of God's voice. Does God know you today? Not just did he, he, of course he knows you, he made you, he formed you, he fashioned you, right? But 
Do you give him permission to know you? What you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, what's going on in your life? How are you really, somebody say really, put that in the chat if you're watching us on, really. How are you really doing? Not how you act around people, how do you act when you're all alone? How are you doing? Does God know you? Second question, do you follow him? When you meet with him and you hear him and you see him, what is he saying? What is he, what is he ministering? Where is he trying to take you? Do you follow him? Last question, do you actually listen to his voice? I got those three questions from that, that one sentence in verse 27 where Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So that leads me to our first point today that I want to give you. Look what it says. God's children don't just hear God's voice. They actually listen to it. Knowing God and following God means obeying God. Did you know there's, I talked about this just briefly last week, but I wanted to take it a little deeper today. Did you know there's a difference between listening and hearing? Has anybody ever heard that before? To follow God means I have to actually listen to God. Many of us, we wonder if we really hear from God, and, and I, I stand here and, and beg to offer that you've probably heard from God over and over and over and over again. The issue is you just didn't like. <laughs> I'm getting some chuckles in the back. You know where I'm trying to go, don't you, Pastor Rob? You just didn't like what he said. You, you didn't like the message because to follow God means I have to die to myself. And I have to choose every day, am I going to follow my flesh, which leads to death, or am I going to follow the Spirit of God, which is beckoning us into uncomfortable places. Living for Jesus, he's going to lead you into some uncomfortable places, but they're all going to benefit you for your good. Right? Being a follower of God, Jesus said, my sheep, I know them, they listen to me, and they follow me. To be a follower of God means I have to be more, of a, more than just a hearer of his voice, I have to listen to what he said. So God's told you over and over again, don't do that. Stop doing that. That's killing you. That's destroying you. Stop putting that into your body. Stop putting that into your spirit. Start doing this. Start doing, you know what, you need to get connected with so-and-so. They're actually following me. Get connect, you know what? You need to maybe visit this church. You need to begin to do this. And over and over again, you're hearing what the Spirit is saying, right? You've heard what He's saying, but you're actually not following Him. Can I, can I get an amen? Because you're not listening to Him. Hearing the voice of God and listening to the voice of God are two different things. We say something around here all the time, and y'all can finish this sentence. Obedience. Y'all pay attention. Thank you so much for paying attention. Obedience precedes your blessing. Now, I'm not saying don't just listen to the voice of God and follow the voice of God so you can get what you want. That's not how it works. God does delight in giving you the desires of your heart. But I wonder oftentimes if he has the blessing for us, but he wants to test your faith. 
can you, can you handle that blessing? Maybe he wants to see if you can handle that blessing first. Let's see if you can listen to God's voice, not just once, but you can listen to him two days in a row, three days in a row. Now you're on one month, two months, three months. Now you're on one, two, three years every day. Now I'm not saying every follower. There's no perfect follower, guys. We all fall short. We all miss it. But it's, it's the, the thing, the drive, the motivating factor inside of you, the motivating factor that says, you know what, I want to do my best to please God. And if that's your prayer and if that's your motivating desire every day, you won't just hear God's voice. When you hear him speak, you'll actually listen. You'll follow and you'll obey. Amen? Look at John. We're going to stay in John. I want to skip a couple chapters. Go to John 12. I was kind of talking about this dynamic every day. I have to choose, right? It's the spiritual warfare. Am I going to follow my flesh? Or am I going to follow the spirit which is trying to lead me? And so to follow Jesus, you have to allow his spirit to lead you, and it's going to require sacrifice every day. Look, look at what verse 25 says. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must, there's that word again, follow. Because my, excuse me, my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. To live for God means I have to lay my life down and take up his life every day. I, to live for God oftentimes means your plans get put on hold for his plans. And when you follow his leadership and you make his plans priority number one, he's looking out for your plans. And if your plans are holy, good plans, good, good desires that, that please the king, he will make those things come to pass. But he wants those plans to come to pass in his ways, in his will, by his word. Because without God, and when I allow my flesh to lead my life, I miss it. I miss it over and over and over and over again. And I need the Spirit of God to lead my life in, into truth. Everyone is starving for somebody they can trust to follow, and Jesus Christ is that person. But we're, we're all looking for somebody to, to, to lead us because we're all lost. And isn't it amazing that Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of truth, he's called. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth because each and every one of us, we need some healthy, good, healthy dose of truth on a daily basis. The number one most fundamental truth that you need to be reminded of every single day is this. You hear me say it a million times. You are not God. I need to remind myself that every day. Every day, I am not God. God, forgive me. Not my plans today. Your plans. God, not my will today. Your will today. Jesus said that my followers serve me. Followers are servers. Serving God and his plans. And when you serve God and his plans, guess what he does? He brings people into your life. We all have people in our lives. And God wants, when you serve him, that serving goes from, goes from horizontal, uh, the, the child of God following God, the, the, the child and the father, horizontal, excuse me, vertical to horizontal. 
Now I serve and love others. When I follow God, I, I serve others. Jesus said, if you serve me, you must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus said, the first shall be, some of y'all read your word, and the last shall be first. That's, that's a message for culture. All those that think they have all the answers, all those fancy actors, actresses, all these sports figures, people that think they have it all, people around them think that they have it all, they think they're first, they think they're number one. Jesus said, on judgment day, those that thought they were first will be last. And that faithful person that maybe didn't have all the material things, but they gave me everything, I will honor them. They will be first in my God's house. The other side of that message is, to follow God, I have to be a, a servant of God. No matter where you are on that spectrum, a lot of us in the middle, we in the middle, I'm content to be there, culturally speaking. Do I constantly make God number one, putting myself last? And if I do that, I'll put others even before me. That means I'll put my wife first, which I fail at over and over and over again, and she'll probably tell you amen. But when I put God first, I become a servant. I make others. God's plan in others' lives priority. He said the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Look at that next point. I want to pose a question to you as we're talking about being followers and servants of God, and we're talking about obedience. Knowing God and following God means obeying God. And so, how do you obey, follow, and trust a God that we can't always feel? A God that we can't always see? And the answer, I got one for you, but it may not be the one you want to hear, but it's, it's the answer of truth. To do that, you have to love His life more than your own. And you have to believe that no matter, say that with me, no matter what God knows better. Is it just me, or are there often times in your life, day-to-day -day life I'm talking, other than just Sundays, like Wednesday in the middle of the day, when you've had a day, and you know what? You can't feel or see the presence or the blessing of God. Is that just me? I have those, those dry moments where I, I'm running mentally, I, I'm stressed out because I did it to myself, right? And I can't feel the presence of God. I can't feel the peace of God. Just because you can't feel the presence in that moment or even see or recognize the goodness of God, you need to know that that doesn't mean God is not still working. The absence of his presence does not mean that he is not working. Is his presence there? It's available with a quick prayer. All, it has to, all you have to say is, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, give me. You have to ask for that thing that is fleeting you, that thing that you need. I, I need your presence. But if we're being real, 
I oftentimes forget to do that, right? And that's okay. But in order to come out of that victorious in Jesus Christ, when those moments happen, when, when, when storms and tests and trials of life happen, you have, to, you have to love his life more than your own in that moment. You have to believe that no matter what it looks like, God knows best. He has the answer, right? Jesus, he knows the answer to the problem, to the solution. I have to get still. I have to slow down enough to where I can hear what God is trying to say to me in that moment. And then I have to listen and I have to believe and pray that God is going to lead me out. Lead me to the place that I need to be. I'm not supposed to be in this discouraging place, in this hopeless place, in this frustrated place. And so I, in that moment, I have to love God's life more than my own. And God sees your struggle. He sees the hurt. He sees the stress. He, he, he sees it. And he also sees us routinely, constantly continue to do it the wrong way. Like I'm doing life the world's way. And if we can do life God's way, we can believe that no matter what, God knows better. When your life gets hard, remember his life. When I say that Jesus understands your struggle, y'all know Jesus struggled, right? I'm not saying he, he, he struggled with his authority of being the son of God. He struggled because people he loved and cared about backstabbed him. One of his own disciples sold him for 20 pieces of silver. He was hurt. He suffered on the cross in the flesh so that we could be made whole. So no matter what I'm going through, when I see his life over my life, you know what? My struggle don't seem so bad. And Jesus is strong enough to bear that load that you've placed on your back, right? You're, a lot of us are, are bearing things that God did not put there. You continually keep putting that thing back on your back. You may pray for God to take this, take that. God, I need your help. You pray that prayer. Five minutes later, you don't put that thing back on your back. For God to take it, you know what you got to do? You got to let it go. As long as you're holding on to it, he can't take it. All right, look at Galatians 2.20. When your life gets hard, you got to remember his life. Look what it says. My old life has been crucified with Christ. Okay. What Paul's, Paul's reading or writing here. He says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You have to love his life more than yours. When you love his life more than yours, guess what happens? Your life gets lost in his. And he grants. Instant access, when you subscribe to his ways, his word, and his will, he's, he, he, he immediately grants instant fellowship 
with you, to help comfort you, to, to, to lead you, to impart the things that you need. He also even relinquishes authority in your life if you're doing it his way. Authority to actually trample on, on scorpions and snakes. Authority to do real supernatural spiritual work. But you have to crucify your flesh every single day. When you crucify your flesh every single day, his power becomes manifested in your life, and it's because you're not just hearing the voice of God, you're listening to the voice of God, and you're following, you're actively following God every single day. Our life becomes lost in him. When, when Christ lives in you, you'll follow him. It won't be as, as bad of a struggle as, as, I'm, as I was previously talking about. When, you, when Christ is alive in you, you'll follow wherever he goes. No matter what's going on in your life, you have to believe that he knows best. Who knows Isaiah 55, 8 through 9? I want to give it to you today. I love this scripture, man. I constantly remind myself when I'm not God and that, that God is God and Jesus is the Son of God, that no matter what, right, he knows best, right? This is what, this is what uh, Isaiah wrote in, in verse 8 here in chapter 55 about God, speaking for God. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Somebody say, praise God. I'm thankful his thoughts are holy. I got some messed up thoughts. I'm thankful his thoughts are nothing like Pastor Ian's thoughts. His thoughts are good and holy and pleasing. Right? He says, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As long as you think you know better than God, you'll stay stuck. As long as you think you can get to the promise quicker by doing it this way or taking shortcuts or thinking that you know better, you're going to continually be let down, be discouraged. You'll be continually frustrated with others, with God. Because God is not answering your desires according to your timeline, and you're doing it, you're doing it your way. You only see what you can see. God sees everything. You can't see past the thing. You think the thing is the thing. But God sees all your blind spots. He sees the hundred million other things. Can I get an amen? And the enemy's using that one thing so all those hundred million other things can continue to move in. Anybody like the game of chess? I love chess. Every piece has a part to play. Every piece can do certain things. The enemy has pieces. I'm trying to move in on your life. For what? Checkmate. And God is looking out for you. you got to trust that he knows best. Do you trust that God's looking out for you? Just because you don't like the answer no right now, it doesn't mean never. He's just saying no right now. Any parents in the house? Right? You got kids. Your no means no, right? It's not because you don't love your kids. You're saying no because you see the hundred million other things that they don't see. It's no different. 
God's God. We're all just children, and a lot of us act like infants at time, right? Having a temper tantrum. Why, God? Why, God? Why, God? You just see the thing, and God sees all the other things, right? Trust God knows what he's doing with your life and where he's taking you. If you're following me, you got to trust where he's taking you. Look at that next point. When we realize that God's ways are better than our own and his thoughts are better than our own, we can finally stop wrestling with him. I feel like this is for somebody. you gotta, you got to tap out today. And, and tapping out doesn't mean you give up. T- tapping out means you, you're done wrestling with God, his ways, his word, and his will for your life. you got to tap out. When we surrender to God's sovereignty, his authority of who he is, he grants a supernatural peace for the journey. And that's that thing that's fleeting you. As long as you wrestle with God, you don't have any peace for the journey. This life of faith is a life of journey. And living for God is an adventure. We're going to talk about the plan of God and how he reveals it to us pieces at a time here in a moment. And that's why you need his peace. Because living for God, he, he gives us little answers, but you're, you're never going to come to this place where you know the exact will of God for your life. What would you need Jesus for if you knew all the answers? But when you, when you finally come to the revelation that, that God is God and his ways are better for my life and i got to stop doing this and I'm, I'm done fighting God, he grants you supernatural peace when you stop wrestling with God. As long as you want to wrestle with God, you prolong the promise and you get nowhere. The Israelites, after God used Moses to bring them out of Egypt, they spent 40 years wrestling with Moses and God's ways and God's plan. It took them 40 years to get to the promise. If you want to say today, I'm done wrestling with God and I want to just follow him, you might could get to the promise a little quicker. Right now in your flesh, you may think, it's, if I do it God's way, I, I got to like, do all these things. In your mind, it looks like it's going to take longer, but God can do supernatural things. And as long as you wrestle and fight with God and his ideas and his word and what he said, you're not following God. You're following your flesh and you're you're, you're following the enemy. And you may never make it. When you surrender to God's sovereignty, he grants you supernatural peace for the journey. And you know what? There's, There's nothing... You know what there's nothing of in surrender when you surrender to God? It's for free. There's not anything. There's not an ounce of disobedience in surrender. To follow God, I've got to be obedient to God, right? If you surrender to his sovereignty, it means you've obeyed. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but when you surrender that moment of, of worship and in awe, and God, forgive me, and God, I'm going to follow you in that, that surrender, that moment, there's not an ounce of disobedience. You're forgiven by God. You're accepted by God. And what happens, the most important thing is what happens when you get up. 
from that moment. The most important thing is what happens after the surrender. That's going to make all the difference. After you've surrendered, what do you do with that message and what God ministered to you at that altar of that, that broken place that God gave you? How are you going to respond by faith after you've made that surrender, right? When we surrender to God, we receive that grace and that peace for the journey. I know when I've, I've had those moments when it's like, Lord, and when you're honest with God, he's honest with you, and it's like supernatural peace. That thing that seemed so daunting five seconds ago, when you actually give it and release it to him, it's like, you know, I got supernatural grace for this next race that you have me on. I got, maybe you got some big things staring you at the face. Can I be honest for a second? If y'all didn't know, me and Pastor Jessica, we found out a couple weeks ago we're having another baby. Amen. Praise God. We're excited. But when we both got that news, we were excited, but I, I, I was like a little like taken back. I was like, Lord, I was, what I started doing, I started giving him my plans. I said, Lord, I wasn't planning on running that race this year. God, Lord, I got to do all this. We need a minivan, God. We got five rooms at our house, but God, I need another room. So many people struggling to have a baby, and there I am going to God complaining about my baby that God blessed me with. But when I supernaturally went to God and I, I surrendered that, and I said, Lord, thank you for being so good. It's like he revealed to me that there's grace and peace in this journey. And he's going to supply all of our needs just like he did the last two times. Even though this baby will be born right around Christmas. <laughs> Everything else... Going, I'm not going back to that place. Holy Spirit, help me. Right? God is good. Can you agree? Amen, he's good. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our past troubles are small. Somebody say small. And won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The things that you are so focused on, that you're fixed on, that seem so important, they're going to be dead and gone. The things that seem so important, a minivan seems so important to the Westbrooks right now. It's going to die and pass away. Those are corruptible things. Can I preach for a second? One day when you stand before God and give an account to your life, and Jesus says either, enter in my good and faithful servant. We talked about being a servant today means I follow God. And he's going to say, enter in my good and faithful son, daughter, follower. Or he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. When you enter in, you're going to receive something that is incorruptible. And that vastly outweighs that glory of vastly outweighs the importance of all the stuff that we place values on. And to follow God means I have, to be, I have to fix my eyes daily. I have to fix my gaze on spiritual things that matter more than all this other stuff that the world has to entice me with. When troubles come, activate your faith. What are you fixed on today? 
What's that thing that's nagging you today? You know what you fix your gaze on? What you fix your eyes on? Becomes bigger. Almost like we put a magnifying glass. When you put a magnifying glass on something, it becomes bigger, right? So as long as you fix your gaze, you put that magnifying glass on the problem, on the person, on the hurt. And the longer you do that habitually over and over again, that thing becomes bigger and bigger. And, and, and you've gone to great lengths to create this thing that's not even as big as you've made it out to be. And in God's sight, it's this itty-bitty thing. And if you could fix your gaze on Him, He can cast that big thing away. You have to activate your faith. Jesus said the faith of a mustard seed has the power to move mountains. You've made itty-bitty little troubles into a big, gigantic mountain. And if you can activate your faith and fix your, your gaze on Him, He can cast that thing as far away as, just as far away as from the east as the west as he does our sins. He can cast that thing, remove it from your life. Look at that next point. When we stop wrestling with God, we can move into relationship with God. Our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit affords us the ability to see in part and hear in part, but it never, somebody say never, allows us the ability to do God's part. Without Jesus, we walk in darkness. Following God brings fellowship with God. And when Jesus left, he, he granted the disciples the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that will lead us into all, all truth, he said. And when you, when you get into relationship with God by means through the Holy Spirit, he will show you things and speak to you. We see in part and we hear in part. God, I, I heard you say that. Now I have a choice. Am I going to listen to what you said? And when you listen to what he said, he, he puts you on a path, his path. And as you continue along that path and you begin to waver and you begin to doubt, as long as you stay in fellowship and relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, he will constantly affirm that you're on the right path. Oh my gosh, I am supposed to be doing this. The Holy Spirit shows up, right? We see in part. We can see and hear in part by means of the Holy Spirit, but you're never going to come to a place where you can just do God's part. God will use you to love others and to bless others and to pray for others, to do things on God's behalf, excuse me, but you're never going to come to a place where, you know what, I don't need God no more. Maybe I'm stuck in addiction and God, I just need you to deliver me from this and, and heal me. And when I get healed, you know what, God does a supernatural thing and you know what, I'm healed. I'm good. I don't, need, I don't need you anymore, God. What you did for me, thank you. But you know what? I'm good now. And I come from addiction. God did that for me and healed me. And it breaks my heart because I've seen so many people come out of addiction. They were in prison. They were in jail. They were, they were as lost as lost can be. Hurting others. Stealing from others. Lying to others. God does a supernatural work. And then they come to this place where, you know what? I'm good. I'm good, God. We're never, and then what happens? Reality, they go back, and you always go back worse. And so you got you to be good with that, that you're never going to come to this place where 
you're going to be, become so spiritually mature that you, you don't need God in his ways and his word and his will anymore. And really, if that's the desire of your heart, are you really a child of God? Why would you want to use God to get where you want to go, to get there, arrive, and then say, thank you, I'm good? God wants real believers, real followers that can, that can be used for his glory forever. Not just a certain little amount of time that you want to give God. God, I give you these couple months, these couple weeks, these couple years. It's your life. To get eternal life, you got to give Him your life. What do we read today in John 12? He who loves his life in this place will lose it, the one that matters. And he who can see past this life to his eternal life, he'll, he'll take it. He'll take it up. Look at John 16, 12, 13. I have much to say, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear or bear. But when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and what he will tell you is what you, excuse me, and what he will tell you of what is yet to come. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Sounds pretty amazing. You have the power through the means of the Holy Spirit to hear in part and see in part to do what God's called you to do. If you're in a place and you don't, you don't know what your next step is, continue to pray. Continue to pray until you hear what God has said. Sometimes God uses other people to affirm what God is saying to you personally. You need This, this life of faith needs to be more than, than just you and God. That's step one, you and God. But God wants to use others in your life. You need other relationships with other believers that are really following God. Because God will use them to speak truth and to help lead and guide you. He uses others to affirm that path that you're on, like I was talking about earlier. When you see in part and hear in part, you start walking that path. Oftentimes, God will use somebody else to affirm. You know what? You're doing what you're supposed to do. Look at John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of Life. Can I get an amen? That sounds good. The light of life. Without Jesus, we walk in darkness. I need the light of Christ. I need the light of the world to illuminate my path. If you have the light of the world, who is Jesus, says he grants you the light of life, guess what? That means you can never become lost. When you walk, when you go through the darkness, you dispel darkness because you're so found. Can I get an amen? Because the light of life resides inside of you. And you actually repel and extinguish darkness wherever you go. And as long as he's alive in you, guess what? You can't get lost because I know where I'm going. He illuminates my path. I'm going where Jesus is going. He says, go over here. No, go over here. And guess what? I never have to question or doubt God's plan, his purpose, his provision for my life. Do you have the light of life illuminating your life? today. We've got last point today. As we close and wrap up this series, following Jesus means we have the light of life. When we choose to seek him and trust him with all our heart, there is nothing we can't accomplish and no destination that we can't reach. There's nothing you can't do when the life of Christ dwells inside of you. 
There is no place, there is no dream, no vision, no goal, as long as you've submitted that thing to Christ and his authority that you can't accomplish or no destination that you can't reach. I want to re- leave you with Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Your foundational step and foundational truth is you always have to trust God first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can't be half in, you got to be all in. With your heart, all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. There's that, that crux of the matter. I can follow my flesh or I can follow God's ways. Not your understanding, but his ways. His are higher, right? Verse 6, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. If you can trust God with all your heart, seek him in all your ways, he will show you what to do. Who wants to know what to do? Man, I'll raise both my hands. I want to know what God wants me to do. In every situation, in every relationship, in every matter. And if I can trust Him with all my heart, seek Him in all my ways, trust in His understanding and not my own, He'll tell me what to do. God's ultimate desire is that you would say yes and that you would follow him. Who says, I want to follow God today? Just a couple hands. Praise God for those hands. Y'all join me in his prayer and prayers. We get ready to close. I want you to listen to my voice and, and join me in prayer today. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for John 10 and Jesus when you said that my sheep listen to me. I know them and they follow me. I pray that we are congregated, gathered in your house today as your sheep. I pray that every one of us is a sheep that you know by name. I pray that when you look over us, that you would see us as faithful children, obedient children that are following you. I pray that heaven would rejoice over us today. I pray that you would use this church to further your kingdom in the world out there. If you're here in the sanctuary, you're joining us online, and you know without a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. In your heart today, you've been saying, Pastor Ian, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but I'm a follower of Christ. I, I, I am actively engaged in my faith every day. I, I, my, my goal is to please God. I'm in fellowship, relationship with God through His Son. And if that's you today, praise God for you. But I want you to, I want to ask you right now to pray for the lost world. There are people out there right now that are not following God. We have a lot of empty chairs here this morning. People in our own community, Polly Pond, this morning waking up hungover because they were at the bar all night. People waking up this morning addicted to drugs, hurting, broken from their past and their history and their sins offended with God. So I want to ask you, if you're born again, you're, you're in the house of God and to, to pray for the lost world. And if you are here in the sanctuary today or you're joining us online and you say, Pastor Ian, I am lost. I'm not following God. Maybe I was five, ten years ago, five, ten months ago. I don't know. But today, my life's a mess. I've been doing it my own way. I'm frustrated. I'm hurting. 
and I need help. I got good news. The helper's here. And he wants to do more than just help you out of your mess. He wants to pick you up. He wants to love you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to be your father. So if you need a heavenly father today, I want to ask you right now, if you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now, I want to ask you if you're in our sanctuary to stand up or raise your hand up real high. One of the two. Stand up or raise your hand all over this place to pray to accept Jesus. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat to say, hey, I'm making this prayer. I want to change my life today. I'll give you a few moments if you want to pray to accept Jesus. It'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. I promise you it would be a starting place for the relationship that God wants to do in you going forward. Amen. And I want to lead us all in a prayer in case somebody is making this prayer in their heart today. Y'all repeat after me loud and proud. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in you. And we confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to save my life and bring me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Is anybody glad you came to church today? We're glad you came too. All right, so glad. Y'all are officially dismissed. Sorry I went a little long today. Y'all have an awesome holiday weekend, okay? Be safe. We love you. Come back and see us next week. Bring somebody.